Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. I mean, our affordability is already an issue. Supply is already an issue. Demand is still relatively strong in spite of all of these, you know, and the headwinds strong. and the consumer is strong. You go and start cutting rates. I think not only is the stock market, and you can speak more to that, going to rip, but so is the real estate market. We're going to see another climb on that as well. So a lot of people are still talking recession in this, you know, next 6, 12, 24 months. But a lot of that ultimately is in the Fed's hands right now. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. As always, your host, Matty A, my co-host, Mr. Breedwell. What's up, y'all? We are out here in Mexico right now. So we are without our normal gear out of the studio but of course, always coming back with some great insights and updates on all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance. Of course, if you are new to the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. If you enjoy anything that we share or talk about, all the research, all of the energy that goes into these shows, all we ask is that you leave a review on whatever platform you enjoy listening to this content on. And don't forget to take advantage of all the great things that we offer our Millionaire Mindcast fam. You can get your free financial portfolio review from Ryan and his team by texting the word X-Ray to 844-447-1555 for all my accredited investors that want to look at more passive income opportunities. You can get on my deals list by texting the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. And don't forget to check out all the great stuff that we have available for you at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, Mr. Breedwell, first off, how is Mexico? Mexico's been great. I've had a really good time. We've just been uh, talking, walking, meeting the locals, breaking in the Spanglish. That's been good. Oh, yeah. The taco tour was by far the highlight. Taco tour. Was Fatty Matty came out in full force. We had a lot of tacos. A lot of tacos? Four hours of tacos. Yeah, and then we continued the taco tour after the taco tour concluded with, with more tacos. With our taco tour guide. With our taco tour guide. Yeah. Luis was the man. Really cool to 
I always like to, when I go travel, and I think you and I are very similar in this capacity because pretty much everywhere we go, we like to meet some of the locals Mm -hmm. and get off of the tourism path and get more into some of the areas that you just wouldn't find unless you knew somebody in the area that this was their stomping ground. And Luis was that man on the taco tour. Then we had some great stuff yesterday when we did our Mm -hmm. ATVs. We got some more activities coming up here, but I digress on that because we got some important stuff to cover this week. Yeah, we got some, it's mainly what's around the corner, at least in my neck of the woods. Um, and what is potentially going to happen in uh, around the corner? Because that's uh, th- there was really one big thread hanging out, which was the debt, uh, debt ceiling, which we've obviously come to a deal and passed that. Um, and now it's the, are they going to start pausing or are they going to continue to hike? And I think we went over earlier it still appears that they are leaning towards a, a pause right now, um, even given the jobs data that came out um, and some of the other uh, data, it still would probably lend them to pause. Um, we were talking this morning, though, that they had that surprise um, hike uh, for, for Canada. For Canada, which was out of the blue. Correct. And is there any reason why they did that? And is there any impact, I guess, on the U.S. markets or sentiment? I think sentiment is where it impacts really because they're, you know, the Canadian economy is not as as large or impactful as, as us. But I think what it does is it shows people that that is a possibility. And I think fear, again, drives a lot of people's decisions, especially with their investments. So my, I think that the main driver of why the the report was like 90% pause, I think the jobs data that came out saying the jobs market was still strong, which is why we got, I think, one or two comments from some Fed chairs saying that there was a potential for them to still keep hiking. They, yeah, they, they felt a couple had come out publicly and said, you know, we feel like a pause here and sharing that sentiment out publicly is somewhat of a dangerous narrative still. Obviously, they believe that there's still some, some volatility that needs to get worked through. And all of that sounds good, but then they lean on, you know, quote unquote, banking turmoils. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not saying that there's not still regional banks that are having some issues, but I don't agree with the characterization that it's a banking turmoil or, or what have you. We went over the fact that multiple banks fail every single year. Large ones, medium-sized ones, small ones, mostly on the small to medium size. But that's not something that's new or is, or is just starting to happen. So I just think that's another... It's clickbait a lot to me, and it doesn't hold a lot of substance, and then people are making decisions based on that. So yeah. I, I just look at the Fed's futures, like I showed you today. Um, that tracks actual statistical marketable data, and it is leaning almost 70% that there's going to be a, a pause. Um, but as we mentioned right at the end of looking at that data, we had a uh, hike that was expected to be much higher uh, before we dropped down to 25 basis points. And then we had a flip-flop due to the SVB uh, items um, within 48 hours of, of those reports. Yep. So that's completely still possible. I'm still sticking in the camp that I said about a month ago where I still think we're going to have a pause. I think it's going to be good for the stock market. I, I think that's also going to start working itself into the real estate market as far as um, the cost of debt. Yeah, I think that's going to be the interesting challenge for the Fed, right, is how do they have a soft landing while still dealing with the fact that the real estate market affordability, it hasn't fully fallen into line with, I think, where they ideally would like it to be. Because if 
you look at some of the data that's come out this last week, CoreLogic today released its home price index uh, and its HPI forecast for April of this year. Nationwide, single-family home price growth growth rose by 2% year-over-year in April, which marked the 135th consecutive month of annual growth, but the sixth straight month of single-digit gains, um, which still have slowed a little bit. But again, that was from all-time highs of nearly 20% annual appreciation in the spring of 2022. On a month-over-month basis, home prices increased by 1.2% compared with March of this year. So even with, you know, obviously the different economic concerns that are contributing to some buyer reluctance, you got mortgage rate volatility and obviously mortgage rates being way higher than they've been Mm -hmm. historically in the past. And then the related uncertainty around, you know, the debt ceiling debate, you've got inventory, you've got, you know, obviously just the cost of borrowing, you've got the, you know, really the requirements to borrow now, that bar being significantly raised still. Which is a good thing, I think. I agree. Still, you're seeing the market, you know, not necessarily pulling back in terms of affordability, in terms of values, in the way that I think maybe the Fed would have hoped it would have corrected. And my dumbass said, because <laughs> I, I think I was on the, uh, and again, we just, we're never, we're never uh, bashful about being wrong here. But I, I kind of thought we were going to have a pullback uh, that was a little bit bigger. But I, I also thought that the commercial real estate market was going to bleed a little bit more into the uh, residential market. And it, it clearly hasn't. Um, no. And, and, and I think that's because it's also taking longer for this turmoil to get worked through. I think, I think a lot of the commercial distress and the turmoil that we're seeing on a large scale, kind of at the top of the tree right now, it hasn't fully trickled its way all the way down yet. And I think it's slower than a lot of people thought it was going to be. And I still think that's on the horizon. I mean, you've seen lots of reports of family offices talking about how much dry powder and cash they're really looking at um, keeping aside and allocated for this, you know, buying opportunity that many Mm -hmm. people, at least in commercial, are equating to some similarities of 2008. Single family, just not comparable. But in the commercial side, there is definitely some distress some debt challenges, a lot of variables that really have created some pretty um, volatile times for certain commercial product and certain people that got into some commercial debt that ultimately is not panning out accordingly. So, you know, but a lot of them are saying, hey, while we have been, you know, really trying to cash up and be patient, it's taken a lot longer than we thought it was going to take because we're not seeing the opportunities we were expecting to see at this stage of the game. And it's office space that's the hurting the most, correct? It's not necessarily as bad in the hospitality space, although we did see some reports today of, of two defaulted loans in San Francisco. But then again, I feel like that's geographically more of an issue, right? Correct. Like <clears throat> who's traveling to San Francisco? Right? Well, you're seeing a lot of the, the blue cities are ultimately are the ones that are experiencing at least some more accelerated commercial hardship, mm-hmm. right? Like you said, owner of the San Francisco's largest hotel, the Hilton Union Square, uh, opted to cease payments on a $725 million loan, Whew. losing 2,900 hotel rooms and basically giving that back over to the bank. The owner said that, you know, the path to recovery in San Francisco remains clouded. You know, there's still a ton of major challenges. You know, we've definitely got 
some major crime. The city experienced 23% rise in property crimes between 2020 and 2022, burglary and theft and all kinds of things that ultimately led to, I think, this region, this area, this city particularly. And you can go across many blue cities and see distress mounting faster in a lot of those areas because whether it's commercial, businesses not you know, working in the city like they once were, or it's other types of product that are getting impacted by some of these factors in these blue cities based on a lot of policy, that's where we're seeing some of the stuff mount quicker. That being said, there's many other markets around the country that are holding very strong, very steady. I mean, we talked about you and I thinking, I think you said 13%, you know, pullback on values this year. I was, was you know, freaking, that was a goose. I was seven to 10 and we're looking at, you know, based on what we're seeing here. Commercial, we just didn't say that. (laughs) What we're seeing here though is a 2% you know, Increase. price growth yeah. year over year. Month so. over month, we're seeing volatility, but not, again, Who we're not wholesaling wholesalers or in my world, day traders, right? We're buying assets for the long term. So month over month is, is an indicator of where things may be trending, but we get, we get reports of up month over month, down month over month, mm-hmm. up month over Year over year, real estate prices are still increasing, which again, even... Even we were a little bit behind the ball on that because it, it looked pretty bad. And I think that was overshadowed by the, the commercial real estate market. We were hearing so much negative news on real estate, but it was really focused in the commercial side. Correct. I'm, you know, I'm not the expert in the real estate stuff, but it, it seemed to me that it was due to your point almost, uh, what would that be? 130 some odd months. That's going to be a, a little over 11 years of consistent um, compounded returns, maybe not the high, some of the high numbers that you get with your stocks, but none of the losses. So you, you have to factor that in when we're thinking, okay, Hey, maybe this is time where we have a little bit of let off on the gas. Yep. Um, and that, that's just hard to predict, but people always need a spot, a spot over their head. Yeah. I think that we kind of also forget that it's not as easy to divest your real estate. It's not as easy now to get into it. So people are holding on to it yep. and it's not as cheap as it has historically for the past decade been. It is still, from what we're seeing with a lot of research and data, one of the best stores of value and wealth growth and cash flow creation, which is obviously why Ryan and I holistically love to find that balance between the money that I give him, you know, and the money that I keep for my investment portfolio and vice versa, because there really is this great synergy between those, you know, those two vehicles. We are seeing, obviously, you know, inventory slowly creep up, which seasonally, this is exactly what it should be doing. This last week, inventory was up 0.7%. Obviously, the the prior week was 2.1%. But mortgage applications decreased 1.4% from one week earlier, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. And you saw it, you know, drop 30% year over year compared. So even though we're seeing a little tiny uptick in inventory and supply, demand is still being managed relatively well by the Fed, which I think is, you know, keeping things stable without it, you know, dropping too drastically or increasing too drastically, which I think is what ultimately all they can do at this stage while trying to fight everything else that they're fighting against. In mortgage applications ticking down will add to the inventory adding up because people are people always sell homes no matter what. Yep. Even through 2008, people are selling houses. Yep. Um, 
it's just going to bring, hey, we, you know, uh, time, what is it called? Time on market? Is that what it is? <clears throat> it's your days on market. Days on market. So days on market will start to increase. That will start baking into the date. So it's slowly kind of buffering and padding some of those data points yeah, to, I mean, it, to help everything in the overall. Yeah, if they start cutting rates, it uh, it's yeah. the, the, the real estate market is going to, it's, I mean, our affordability is already an issue. Supply is already an issue. Demand is still relatively strong in spite of all of these, you know, and the headwinds and the consumer is strong. You go and start cutting rates. I think not only is the stock market, and you can speak more to that, going to rip, but so is the real estate market. Hit, hit we're going to see another, we're going to see another climb on that as well. So we are, and I think a I, lot of people are still talking recession in this, you know, next six, 12, 24 months. But, a lot of that ultimately is in the Fed's hands right now. Yeah, and I think the craziest part was, I don't know if it was, I think we were on the flight out here, we were talking about it, how I said, I was looking at the data and if this, you know, and I just showed you this morning as well on the futures rate, not at the next meeting, but at the prior meeting. Yes. It's the first batch of futures that have a cut baked in. It's it's a less than a 2% chance right now, and that'll kind of bake itself in over the next couple weeks and months. But if that happens, yes, I do believe the stock market will rip for, for, to use your term. And when the stock market starts to take off, it relieves pressure on the real estate market from the lending side, mm-hmm. from the debt side of it, because that will cause bonds to rally, which will cause yields to drop, which will cause the Fed funds overnight rate to drop, which will cause the cost of money to drop, which will loosen the money supply up, which will make more money available. And I think you see where I'm going with this. And... Also, I think this rally is going to be fueled in the front end on the stock market by some FOMO, just like the real estate market was fueled by some FOMO, mm-hmm. um, for better or for worse. But I think people are going to take cash off the sidelines and start deploying it. And I think they're going to remember 2020 and 2021 is still very fresh in people's mind, just like the recovery in the stock market is from 2020. I don't think that recovery is going to happen but I do think we can get some market euphoria in a positive way mm-hmm. because people are like, hey, if this happens, I don't want to not be a part of that uptick. So they're going to they're going to put their assets to work in the hopes that everything goes well. And they're going to put them into a, a bull market in the stock market or a recovering market in the real estate market and kind of catch a lot of the front end of the of the, the spike, I think. Yeah. I think consumers are a little smarter now than five years ago even. Agreed. Because they understand the, there's been so much eyes on the real estate market and the stock market more so, and then people were locked down for 20, 20 Than ever before historically. So now people I think are like, hey, I can't miss this. I don't want to be the person that's talking about how I did. I wanted to get into real estate investing, but I didn't pull the trigger when I should have. And now I'm waiting for something that may never come again. Hey, I, I missed this day in the market. So now my average returns long term are affected pretty negatively because I wasn't a part of that. Yep. It, it's the devil's advocate you have to balance all the time. But I do think we're on that. And I do see if they do cut rates, I do see that causing a huge appreciation to the effect of that would maybe be in the five to seven percent range on uh, real estate, which is about double what you can expect from that normally. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me 
in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Yeah, and that's that's essentially right you know, kind of what um, National Association of Realtors noted that they expected, you know, if rates started getting cut this year, heading into 2023, end of 2023, you know, into 2024, about that 5% appreciation. It just makes sense because it's, I mean, look at the environment we're in now and we're a year over year 2%. That, that means real estate's just doing exactly what it normally does, giving you that nice, smooth, three to 4% compounded growth. Um, I think you're going to see a tick up in that. And I also think that's going to happen because rents are going up, right? Um, because cost of debt's going up. So yep. you'll have to be a lot more prudent to, to cover that spread. But <laughs> I'm just like thinking of somebody that buys a home in like 2023, 2020, early 2024 from somebody. And then, you know, five years later, they're looking at one third to two thirds, the appreciation on top of their home in a normal real estate market, not in a, a crazy, and then they refi and they're, they're already baked into paying on a huge rate and they bought the asset and not the rate yep. and they get back into a more moderate rate. And now they're cash flowing even more. I'm, I feel like we're going to have a lot more of those stories here in the next uh, 24 to 36 months than people are uh, even realizing. Yeah, and I, I I found it interesting, Lawrence Yoon, um, the oh yeah, chief economist for oh National boy. Association of Real Estate, they just have such good data all the time. And, you know, He's I think good voice. if you're somebody that's looking to buy, of course, we talk all things investment, right? But even if you're somebody that's looking to buy right now and you have the ability to do so, I, I think it makes a ton of sense, you know, because you're, you're still looking, if you can find the right house in the right area with less competition, you might have some better posture at the negotiating table yeah. to get some, you know, some concessions and knowing that, yeah, you're getting in at a maybe higher, you know, interest rate, but if and when things get sub where your, your, your basis was entering, I think you're going to have the ability to refi, potentially use that as an investment opportunity going, you know, into the future if you guys decide to buy up, right? But he even noted Homeownership is a catalyst for building wealth for people from all walks of life. A monthly mortgage payment is often considered a forced savings account that helps homeowners build a net worth statistically about 40 times higher than that of a renter. 
So still, obviously, many arguments to be made around is home ownership, you know, a good investment, a bad investment. You know, I personally don't even own my own home. I uh, rent and I have invested pretty much all my dollars into owning other investment assets. Um, but that being said, I still think home ownership can can make sense for some people if you're looking at it from a strategic perspective and you've got, again, a plan, disciplines around your investments, how you're utilizing your money, diversification outside of just one you know, asset, all good things to consider. And I think we're just heading into a really opportunistic market cycle that is very exciting for people that are leaning into these kind of conversations, getting around contrarian thinkers, not listening to the headline news and the fear that consistently gets pumped. I mean, I think outside of all the research that Ryan and I do every week and what we send back and forth all the time, it is, and what we talk about here on the show, it's oftentimes giving you guys a completely opposite perspective than what you're reading on a lot of the mainstream news outlets that are saying, recession, 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 or, you know, this is going to happen and it's going to be very bad. And oftentimes, you know, in those narratives, one is a lot of incorrect information. And two is, in my opinion, a cue for potentially finding really great opportunities that when 95% of the people that are, you know, listening to those narratives and are subscribing to those narratives and therefore are acting based on those narratives there's 5% of people that are going, oh, those people are zigging. Now it's, it's, it's time to start zagging. And that's where real opportunity can be capitalized on. And I think we're heading into that season more so from those types of narratives and opportunities really starting to materialize. Yeah, and we have to remember September 2021, all the same people calling for a recession were the same people telling you that everything was going to be fine. And, yeah. And that they were these said politicians and... Uh, heads of their departments and state were, were going to give back their investments because and sell them and divest them because actually, you know what, the public was finally right. And we're, you know, we need to get rid of these equities. And sure enough, it was about 60 days prior to the meltdown of the rolling recession that we went into. So it, we do have sometimes conflicting um, opinions, meaning we don't line up necessarily with the narrative I would challenge you to go back and line up a lot of the things that we've said and what has happened and nobody bats 100%, but we're, we're pretty good. Uh, we're definitely above 50 and I would say probably above three quarters of the time we're hitting the nail on the head and with a difference of opinion from self-discipline and learning how to derive data and put data through our filters from where we see it, from the points of view that are shared with us, with people that are much smarter than us, this is what we try to share so you all can leverage that and use that in your day-to-day. So hopefully you're getting the same uh, use from it that we are. So with that being said, any final thoughts before we go and enjoy a cerveza and a I th- tequila? I think that um, I think that I'm going to stick my, the line in the sand again. We're seven days out from the FOMC meeting. I think we're going to pause. Um, we'll have to see if we, we have a, another pause after that. But I think if we start to pause, I think that we're going to start, we're going to flip that from pause hike to pause cut. And I do see cuts. I'm for sure seeing two. And I hope that there's three, maybe starting in the uh, September, October, November meeting somewhere in there. Well, you heard it here. 
From Mr. Breedwell, Mattie A, we are signing off. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave a review if you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to share this out with a friend, somebody that you think would enjoy participating in these types of conversations and keeping your financial axe sharpened at all times. Don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray from Ryan and his team. They'll go through your entire investment portfolio and make sure you're not getting overfeed based on what goals you're saying you're trying to achieve, that you're actually being allocated and the plan is aligned with that. And if not, they also do a complimentary workup to show you their thoughts, their changes, um, and giving you their feedback. That's all free, guys, if you take advantage of that by texting the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. For my credit investors, you can get on my deals list by texting the word deals to that same phone number. And don't forget to check out all the great stuff we have available for you guys at millionermindcast.com. That being said, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. We'll see you guys next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, Don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really, in most cases, overcharged and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's X-Ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out and last Don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.